Are you ready to get real? Welcome to Real Estate, the world's loneliest career, where you're always out of balance, unfulfilled, the role models are fake, the numbers unattainable, and you're just supposed to be and do it all. Join three self-made millionaire real estate agents, wives, moms, and business owners as we level up, learn from special guests, and elevate and disrupt an entire industry through real education our way. today with Sabrina Callen. Yes. Okay. So she is the owner and founder of BNB Excellent, a firm that helps Airbnb hosts succeed through consulting, online courses, and management services. Sabrina's taught CE courses to thousands of real estate agents, managed hundreds of rentals, both traditional and Airbnb, is an Airbnb super host, an Airbnb ambassador, and is a mom to Eliana and wife to Gary. And she gave us some fun facts here too that I'm kind of excited to hear about. So she purchased her first investment property at 23 without having owned her own home before, which is crazy. So, and you lived in a tent in the Bahamas for three months while getting certified to teach yoga? Yes. Yeah, that was my, what I like to call my quarter life crisis. I love that. I want to live in a tent in the Bahamas really badly, <laughs> or maybe in one of your Airbnbs in the Bahamas. There you go. <laughs> so um, we're super excited to talk about this. We were talking to a friend of ours, Tamika Bryant, who was telling us all about the vacation rental properties that she owns. And we kind of decided like we want to dig into this further because this is a huge hot button for agents right now whether they should be purchasing vacation rentals on their own or how do they help clients purchase those properties. None of the four of us own one yet, but we really all want to. So tell us about your journey into this space and how you got started and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I almost fell into the space accidentally in some ways. Um, I am a former long-term property manager and at that time, this was like maybe six years ago or so, we had started picking up a couple of furnished rentals. And that really sparked my interest because I saw what a huge demand there was for these furnished rentals. Um, and I saw that there just wasn't a lot available out there. And then at the same time, a lot of my clients kept coming to me and asking me about Airbnb and short-term rental. And a lot of the real estate agents that I work with were asking me about Airbnb and short-term rental. And it was just sort of like a very natural thing for me to start adding to my book of services. So I sort of came at it from two ways because I happened to have a little carriage house on the back of my house. And that thing was just, I mean, it had not been touched since 1983. The tenant had been living back there for I think seven years when we bought the house and he was a very peculiar individual in that he wouldn't let us upgrade anything. Like if something broke, he wanted the exact same low end 1983 faucet to replace the one that was there. And so I sort of got to the point where I was like, this thing is fresh for a remodel. Um, and so probably it was 20, 2013, 2014, um, when we decided to remodel that and um, Airbnb was all the buzz and I was starting to do these furnished rentals and getting tons of questions about it. I was like, I'm just gonna experiment on myself. And so we remodeled that, furnished it, put it up on Airbnb. Um, and that's where I really fell in love with Airbnb. And I just love the experience and I'm very much a nerd when I do things. So, you know, I studied up on it. I got to know the Airbnb algorithms. I got to understand how to be a really good host. You know, I've really enjoyed cultivating the space and, you know, making it nice for guests. And um, it was just a very natural transition for me then to start educating people on the whole process and then also managing these short-term rentals. So I'm very curious because I live, I live in Pueblo, Colorado. I live about two hours south of these girls. Um, 150,000 population. We're not a tourist town. So when I hear Airbnb, I, to me, tourist comes. However, the last six months with this crazy market, 
people don't have anywhere to live and they're looking for short-term rentals. What was the demand when you, when that clicked, what kind of demand was it? Was it a tourist click or was it, I have nowhere to live while I find a new house? What was the demand? Yeah. So it was actually a little bit of both for me when it clicked. So when I've taken on some of these furnished rentals to manage through my long-term company, which by the way, I sold off um, in June of last year to focus solely on short-term rental. Um, it was, we were doing furnished monthly rentals on those properties. And that demand really was at that time, a lot of people, you know, needed a place to land when they were coming to Denver, looking for a house to buy or people remodeling homes in the Denver area, because, you know, you need some place to stay at that time. So, and of course, Denver is a great place for work travel as well. So it was like, we just sort of have the best market for these monthly furnished rentals because there's a lot of demand for a lot of different reasons and then um, the crazy thing about Airbnb is that Airbnb also attracts a lot of tourism Um, and so the difference between Airbnb and like a typical vacation rental or the target market on Airbnb is Airbnb really targets like your metro area, like Denver or Austin or something like that, whereas your other vacation rental websites like Verbo and, you know, HomeAway, they're all one thing, Expedia, um, they target really your resort towns. And so Airbnb brought short-term rental to your neighborhood, essentially, and all of a sudden gave people a different place to stay rather than a hotel downtown. And so I would say, you know, Airbnb started growing exponentially, probably like Uh, four or five years ago, but if you were first to market in your market um, with a short-term rental in Denver or your whatever city you were in, there was just so much demand for it and so little available for a little while. And then it really started to grow exponentially. And by now it's sort of balanced out, um, but there's still very high demand for it. And COVID, I think, a lot of people ask me like, oh, how's the market with COVID? And people assume it's not good but it's actually really great for short-term rental with COVID. It's, right, I feel like it would right. be better because like I've had this conversation with Jess and Angela and my mom and sister through COVID, like, hey, we want to go somewhere. Some people are more sensitive to COVID than others, not being political, but like the idea of an Airbnb, like I remember Jess specifically saying to me when we went to Mount Princeton, like in the height of the COVID shutdown last summer, she was like, well, we can stay in a hotel or we could rent an Airbnb and that way we could like wash our sheets when we get there. And I never thought about that. We ended up staying in a hotel because there wasn't much available, but like, I would almost think that like the cleanliness factor of Airbnb, because there's not as much like turnover or even as many people handling the place like would would be would feel more hygienic to people right now almost yeah exactly so when you started out because I like I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks with the lack of inventory and people moving here and not having to stay anywhere I've got three rentals coming up personal rentals Mm -hmm. coming up that are going to be vacant soon And I'm like, well, maybe we should try a couple of those out and see. So stupid question. Did you do, did you start out weekly? Did you start out nightly? What did you do? Or what are you doing now? Yeah. So actually what we do now is about 50% of what we do are monthly rentals. And then the other half are those daily, weekly, more flexible type rentals that can be less than 30 days. The reason we do it that way is for two reasons, Um, you know, anything 30 day plus, we're doing it that way because it doesn't qualify with the rules and regulations in the area to do a short-term rental. Because if it's depending on, and this of course depends on where your rentals are located, um, but in most of the Denver metro area, and not all, it needs to be your primary residence in order to rent the home out for less than 30 days at a time. And that's definitely the case in Denver proper. And Denver proper is actually very strict about that. And so that's why about half of what we do is a 30 day plus rental. And then the other half are, you know, mostly secondary units on people's properties uh, where they're like a carriage house like mine or their basement units or something along those lines. And so 
that applies to the rules and regulations where since it's their primary residence, they're on, you know, on that property pretty regularly and living there, then we're able to do those on a short-term basis, even though those are essentially private secondary units on their properties. Um, so it, it definitely depends, but you know, if you've got three rentals, um, probably the best thing to do is you know, you and I can talk after this, we can talk about the rules and regulations in your area, and we can decide the, the best way for you to offer those properties. And the great thing about offering them through the Airbnb platform is that it is just super flexible. You know, you can put a minimum 30 days if you want, or what you can do is you can have a minimum of one day and then really encourage people to stay for longer by adding different settings and discounts and things like that to the platform. Where do you go to find out um, qualifications wise if your city, town, borough, whatever um, county allows short term rentals or if they have to be a certain time length? Where would you find that kind of information out? Yeah, so that's all, that's super complicated. So yeah. the, the, where I recommend you go is I recommend you go directly to the city and the county website. Um, most cities and counties do have that published online because it's such a hot topic and people are wondering and they want to help people stay in compliance. Um, I would not, I, I always tell people don't depend on Google, don't depend on word of mouth. I mean, go directly to the horse's mouth. And if for some reason it's not published online, um, go ahead and call either the zoning, well, I would say suggest calling both, call the zoning department and the excise and licensing department for that city. Give them a hypothetical of what you're planning to do and ask them what you need to do to stay in compliance. And okay. that's the way to find out. And the thing that makes it super complicated, especially in the metro area, is that short-term rental is typically defined by, that's pretty wide, city by cities as any rental less than 30 days. But primary residence, the definition of that is totally different depending on where you're located. So in Denver, it's completely subjective. And in a lot of other areas, it's like just a very clear cut. You've got to be in that house for 50% of the time. Well, and doesn't it depend on your mortgage too, right? Like your lend, your FHA, VA, isn't there, there's requirements with that, right? Too. Like you can't just take an FHA loan that you have in your house like there are but they don't look at it so like back in the reo days like we would actually do site like fanny and freddie would call us mm -hmm. as reo agents and they would send us out to properties to check to see if the owners actually yep. lived there or if they were violating yeah like, their government back financing but i haven't heard of anyone actually checking or enforcing that in like years long time yeah yeah and it's actually a com it's completely separate from your your lender and servicer regulations on the primary residence side are totally different from what the city and county would have. Right. So separate. And they don't see, the, as far as I know, so far, though, they don't seem to be checking like how your loan was originated or what the purpose of your loan was when they're checking to see if something's your primary residence. So that was going to be my question you know, we've been talking about purchasing something for a long time and I get hung up like on the loan piece of it and having to put down so much money and, you know, that whole aspect. So what recommendations do you have like for someone like me even who's afraid to do this simply because of the financial piece of it? Yeah, so I would recommend, you know, definitely talking to a lot of different lenders. Um, lenders seem to have different levels of knowledge on the vacation rental side of things. Um, I've definitely heard recommendations that you can put less money down if you buy it as a second home versus a pure investment property. And there are certain requirements that go along to make it a second home versus an investment property. Um, the tricky thing about short-term rental is that um, a lot of times a lender won't use short-term rental income to qualify for purchases because it's such a variable and there's no lease income. So it, it, it can get very tricky, but I would recommend, you know, speaking to a couple of different lenders, maybe one that specializes in investment properties to see what your options are. But there's definitely certain workarounds to make it a little bit easier. And I, I think that secondary, buying it as a secondary home or a second home is um, one way that a lot of lenders have suggested to, 
to reduce that amount of money down. How do you determine if it's a good investment or not for Airbnb? Like what is the ROI that you guys are looking for to determine that? And then how do you set the price? Yeah, so that also is, it's so complicated because you're looking at a vacation rental. So the, um, the price really fluctuates like a hotel would fluctuate. It's like a daily rate depending on the demand. So the way that my company does it and the way that I teach people to do it is we use different software um, that where we look at what's happening in the market, we look at the events in the market, we look at what the actual occupancy levels on your property are, and we price the property, you know, consistently you know, checking those prices, updating them and changing them, you know, those get updated essentially daily. And we use the help of software to do that, but we're also recommending always a manual touch on that as well. Um, what was the other question? Oh, what's the ROI? Yeah. yeah so what, what's the optimal like target ROI that you're looking for to determine if it's going to be a good Airbnb rental or something like that versus just a regular yeah. you know, six month okay. lease? Yeah, and, and this is this is I think a real uh, misconception about short-term rental. I think that a lot of people, when they hear short-term rental, they just assume that they're going to make more money short-term than they would through a long-term rental. And because the number of short-term rentals has just grown exponentially over the last five six years, that's just not the case anymore. And so it truly depends on the highest and best use for your property, where your property is located, your own personal situation and use of that property, and also like your own your own personality and how well your personality like stomachs the ups and downs of a travel industry. Um, and so a lot of, you know, a lot of people just aren't made for that. But what I always tell people is, you know, we, we look at the numbers both ways for people every time. And if, if you manage to get a decent spread between your long and your short term, I would probably go short term, assuming that you are the kind of person that can handle those ups and downs. Um, but very easily, you know, the, the numbers on a short term always look great in the top line revenue. But if you are an investor, you're using a property manager, you know, you're not the person doing all of the work and short term rental is a lot of work because it's a turn every three and a half days. You are in the hospitality industry, you're responding, you know, it's like being a real estate agent, you respond to people 24 seven within two minutes, because that's the way the business works. Um, you know, if, if so, if you're wanting to be more of a hands off type investor. I always say rule of thumb, look at what your top line revenue is, lock that off by 50%. That's the most you're going to take home. And depending on where your property is located, if you're located in a resort area where management fees are easily somewhere between 35 and 55%, you know, you could easily be taking home 25% of your top line revenue after you take into account all of those additional costs that you would have with a short-term rental versus a long-term rental. Is that all something that's gonna be outlined? Like if you decided to go on, let's say Airbnb's website and use them for their services as a property owner, I assume that they're gonna outline all of those fees up front to you and all those turnover fees that you're gonna have, like the housekeeping type stuff and um, restocking of goods and that kind of thing in the house. like. Do they give you any kind of idea with that or is it just no, really a no, platform? Is, it, they're purely a listening platform. So gotcha. they're not advising you on the investment side of things at all. Um, and so, you know, we use software, airdna.co is a very popular software. They're actually, look the, the company actually is located here in Denver, but they are like the you know, the best software, the premier software to use when analyzing short-term rental investments. Um, they have a great tool called the Rentalizer. And you can use that Rentalizer. They'll give you a top line estimate on your revenue. And then they also have a space where you can type in and sort of do a calculation of all of your estimated costs. And they'll give you a 
from there, they'll give you an expected cap rate. So there are definitely tools out there that you can use, but Airbnb doesn't provide a lot of guidance. You know, Airbnb is a listing platform. They just want to encourage hosts to list properties and guests to stay there because what they make is they make the money off of the booking fee. And um, the way they do it is they actually, and it depends on the type of account you have, but as a host, you get charged 3%. But as a guest staying in Airbnb, you get charged anywhere between 10 and 15%. It's not incredibly transparent to me how they determine what percentage you get charged as a guest. I have, I'm like, I have so many questions for you. So I know, right? Like, I'm like, whoa. Um, my first question is, what does your team look like? Because I, right now, I manage about 200 properties. I'm, my husband and I own a property management company. We have 200 properties. Mm -hmm. And I see what that looks like with the turnaround rate with an Airbnb every day, every three days, every week, every month. What is your, what does your team look like? Explain it to me. Yeah. So, and I have good insight to this because we've done management of short-term rentals in, in a bunch of different ways. So we used to do full service management of short-term rentals. Now we do what I like to call more of a virtual management where we really, you know, hone in on our expertise, which is the marketing and the pricing of that property. And we work with the homeowner on the actual management. Um, that makes it very cost effective, especially for our clients here in Denver. But when doing full service management, it is a really, it's just a very labor intensive. So you have to have a great cleaning team and you can't have just one cleaner or a few cleaners because all of the cleanings are done between 11 and 4 p.m. And so I recommend a cleaning company that specializes in short-term rental because the cleaning of, of short-term rental is totally different than the cleaning that your housekeeper does for you, even if your housekeeper like changes, changes out your sheets and your towels for you. Um, so you want a company that specializes in short-term rental. Um, you want to be able to automate as much as possible. And that's another reason you go with a company that specializes in short-term rental because um, typically they will work with you and your software or they have software that they can sort of hook directly into your software and platforms where all of those cleanings get automatically scheduled because otherwise it would be uh, a, a real nightmare and very easy to sort of mess that up with the human, you know, the human touch in there. So you need a great cleaning team. And then you also need a great, what I like to call a quality control team, which is someone who is going in on check and checking in on that property after the cleaners come through. You know, your cleaners can be great. You know, we have some really great cleaners that will report damages. They'll let us know when sheets are wearing out and towels are wearing out and things like that. But if you are doing it correctly, in order to get paid on any guest damages or resolution claims, you need to have documentation of that property between every guest. And then a quality control person has a different eye on things than your cleaner does. You know, your cleaner just doesn't have the same incentive as a higher paid individual to make sure that the property is, you know, absolutely pristine and perfect. Um, you've got to have a great team of um, maintenance people because with short-term rental, it's not like long-term rental where a tenant calls you and they said, oh, the, the sink is clogged or draining slow. You can get someone there tomorrow and that's probably acceptable, but with short-term rental, you've got to get someone there within a few hours. So it's a, it's a totally different service level and you've got to have a great maintenance team as well. And then also, you know, different from long-term rental is you're taking care of the yards and the snow removal. And so you've got to have a great team that does all of that. Um, and so I used to have a field agent, a great team of cleaners. You know, we had great maintenance people, which was wonderful because that all stemmed from the long-term side of things. I had developed th those relationships. Um, and then also, did I say field agent already? I think I did a field agent who sort of runs around and does everything. And then you need someone sort of on the admin side um, to take care of all of the back end, um, and then someone to message those guests 24 seven. So you, you know, either you've got to have someone messaging the guests during business hours and after hours, and then some sort of emergency line or emergency contact should someone get, 
you know, something horrible happened in the middle of the night or something like that. It's, you've, you've just got to be there to react to it all the time. So it's, it's very labor intensive. Um, and then of course you have your, you know, this is sort of my role within the company. I act as the expert where I'm doing the analysis and the pricing and, you know, putting the listings up and the marketing and that sort of thing. That's crazy. Like I, I, I can imagine my team that we have that happens like every 30 days or every 45 days or every six months. Like we have a plan of when all of our move outs are going to happen and when they're going to move in. I, yours, it's, it's like, a, like yours has to be like on crack. Like yours yeah. has to be like <laughs> your systems and your people have got to be on point. Because it's on, everything's on the fly. It's, you oh, know, yeah. it's totally spontaneous. And so that's why, that's why short-term managers, I think a lot of people hear that fee of anywhere between 25 and 55%. They think it's crazy, but mm-hmm. this is why, because it is insane. It's wild. Um, so I don't know. I, I have a, I guess I have another question, maybe more of a statement and maybe my, maybe my mind has changed, um, about four years ago or a couple of years ago, Keller Williams had their family reunion in Los Angeles and we rented, or a couple of our Keller Williams mates rented a massive house mm-hmm. in a little subdivision right off of the convention area. And I remember going over there and there was like 20 of us in this house in a neighborhood, a cul-de-sac. And I'm, I'm like, to myself, I'm like, I, I wouldn't want to live next door to an Airbnb. I wouldn't want my child, you know, what's going on next door? Like what's happening? You know, with a long-term rental, there's background checks, there's credit checks, you know, who's going to be in there with Airbnbs. You don't. So are you seeing some backlash from neighbors? Are you seeing, what are you seeing? Are you seeing any of that? Yeah. I mean, we definitely, I think that's the reason now why so many cities regulate short-term rental now. And that's the reason why, you know, it's one of the reasons why they restrict the number of short-term rental. And that's the compromise that city of Denver made. You know, they said it has to be your primary residence. And the reason that part of the reason for that is that when you're renting out your primary residence, you probably don't want a million people in your home having a party um, and leaving trash everywhere. You know, it's really encouraging people to be essentially responsible hosts. And I think in the beginning when Airbnb was brand new, a lot of hosts didn't see that, you know, it was kind of like, dollar signs and the the more people you can sleep in a property the better you know there was an instance in denver where there was it was a home in the country club neighborhood that was being rented out on airbnb and it was like a frat party every night you know denver denver shut that down because the people of country club were not into that sort of thing Um, and so that's you know i think that was some of the main opposition to airbnb when it first started to become popular. Denver has made tons of strides where, you know, Denver really started to regulate short-term rental. We have a short-term rental advisory committee that meets every single month to address these issues. And so a lot of cities have, have done that thing. We're definitely have done that sort of regulation. So we're seeing a trend towards regulating the industry. You know, hosts have learned to be better hosts where they've learned what it takes to be a responsible host. Um, And I think we've come to a place where people have now understand this business, understand how to be successful and to work with their neighbors at the same time. Okay, so I'm kind of joking and being a little facetious, but kind of not at the same time. So like Kristen brought up a really good point, which is something that I was going to say too, which is like when I think of Airbnb or short-term rental, I think of me going and buying something in a tourist town, like Mm -hmm. Breckenridge or Aspen or Glenwood or Florida or wherever. Right. But like, so you're literally saying, because I travel like nonstop during the summertime. So like, I'm probably gone every other week and every weekend for sure. Like you're literally saying that I could Airbnb my private home while I'm camping in Grand Lake and yeah. rent that for me and yeah. people actually do that. Yeah, you can rent out you can rent out your entire home while you're out on vacation and I have definitely had clients who have done that. They've decided to travel, you know, for a couple of months out of the year 
you know, they have a beautiful home in a great neighborhood. You rent that out on Airbnb and you help to pay for your trip or what, you know, whatever, or save that money. So the, the options are endless. And that was really the, the purpose of the Airbnb platform when it started. Um, the founder of Airbnb was living in San Francisco, you know, in a small apartment. He decided to start renting out an air mattress for people to sleep on in his living room to earn some extra money and have people have an affordable place to stay in San Francisco. And that was how Airbnb was born. And that was how, that's why it's called Airbnb is because that was sort of the premise behind it. Now, of course, Airbnb has totally evolved since then. You know, you stay at an Airbnb, you expect hotel standards, you expect your lotions, you expect your shampoos, you know, linens, towels, hair dryers, all of that fun stuff. Um, and the revenue has surpassed some of the biggest hotel chains. Airbnb is a public company now, so it's kind of a, a world of its own. But it, Airbnb was, you know, that's the reason it's so hot is because they've brought this now to like you and your neighborhood versus just up in Breckenridge or Vail or wherever. That's so crazy to me because I've joked with Kristen for like three or four years every summer. I'm like, why don't you live in my house in Parker and I'll live in your house in Pueblo because I'm always at the lake down there. But that's like, so what, how do you like, how do you like lock up your stuff or like keep someone from taking your clothes or your, you know what I mean? Like I've definitely, like when Angela and I stayed in the last one, they had a locked closet, mm -hmm. right? But that's so wild to me that people actively put other people in their houses and you make a good enough amount of income off of that. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And I think it, it, you know, it depends on the person, you know, so you want to make your space feel welcoming to guests. So you always want to, you know, of course, if you live there, disclose that your personal things are about and you live there. Um, I would never leave anything out that was very sentimental or super valuable or anything along those lines. You know, clear out a space in the pantry for them, clear out a space in the fridge, make sure they have some place to hang their clothes or, or drawers or something like that. Um, but we have clients who lock off closets. They maybe lock off a basement. Um, sometimes people will just throw all their stuff in the garage and um, don't provide use of the garage because a lot of times people are traveling by plane, um, at least before, more so we're getting more car travelers. Um, and so people will put their stuff away from, from the guests. And you know you do have to be careful because the truth about Airbnb is there is no background check you know, there's not a lot of security that goes into whoever you're renting your home out to. It's really based on social proof. So the idea that I'm the host, I'll review you as the guest, you're the guest, you'll review me as the host. Um, they do an ID verification that you can require as a host as well. Um, but there's certainly some risk to it. And it does take you know, it does take certainly a lot of time as a homeowner to prepare to rent out your home, own home. You know, my husband and I, we considered it for a moment and then, you know, we were like, that's way too much work. And we, you know, when we go, we just leave our main house empty and, you know, we just do the carriage house. But this is a cool thing for real estate agents who are listening to start to talk to um, clients about right now, like an ADU and an attached dwelling, like you're talking about your carriage house on the back of your property. Like we need to be learning how to have conversations with them about what that could mean income producing wise above and beyond just owning a house. Right. Yeah, definitely. And the ADUs are a hot topic too. Um, we're actually, I'm actually teaching courses on accessory dwelling units now because they meld so nicely with Airbnb and the trend is to allow more infill not only here in the Denver area but throughout the nation and so we're seeing ADUs become more and more popular right now. Do you have to have different like um, rider policies on your homeowners when you do a short-term rental like what does that look like? Yeah absolutely so you should be disclosing to your homeowners ensure the use of your property because if they if something happens and they find out you were using it for something different than they thought you were, they could not cover you. Um, so what we have, it depends on your insurer. Not all insurers provide it. Um, we have a rider, a short-term rental rider on our policy because we rent out our carriage house. And then if, you know, 
if you're renting out your entire home and it's an investment property versus your primary residence, that's a totally different type of insurance. You know, you're not looking at a writer, but you're looking at more of a commercial type policy. There was a situation here in Highlands Ranch last summer where they rented out one of the Airbnbs to make a rap video. Oh. The shooting at the house. Oh no. Um, they didn't have insurance on the property and the property was completely trashed. Oh. It was like a multi-million dollar property in backcountry. And so they have, that's why I was specifically asking this question because I know that it just happened here in our area, so. Yeah, you definitely wanna make sure you're covered. And Airbnb does have um, protection policies for hosts. They have a damage protection policy and they have a liability policy, um, but you, you cannot just depend on that. And Airbnb, you know, they, they kind of update that policy pretty frequently and a lot of times it's difficult to make that larger claim on Airbnb. They, they're great about the little things here and there, but you get an entire home destroyed. Um, it, it can be a very long process to go through that resolution process with Airbnb. So I have two questions. Um, if you were thinking about starting to make a foray into this space, would you recommend that somebody stays in their neighborhood and does something like locally and close to them? Or do you recommend that they go out into like a resort town? I mean, it's crazy some of the stories that we hear from owners. Like I think Jess has friends who live up in Grand Lake and they make like how much? Like, oh, I don't, thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah ungodly amount of money on all their vacation rentals up there so like I think again my line of thinking was always like find the hottest vacation town and that's where you go so if you're if it's your very first one where would you counsel someone to go yeah I think that would certainly depend on a lot of different factors I think it number it depends on you know how involved you would want to be as you know managing that vacation rental um if you want to be involved, go nearby because that's a lot easier for you, right? Um, but if, and I think, I think people should buy vacation rentals in places that they want to go and vacation because you just, you know, you never know. And it could be a great legacy and retirement plan where you purchase a property up in a resort area like Grand Lake that you really enjoy going and rent it out, you know, pay off that mortgage. And there you have that property for your family where you can either earn income off of it or you guys could go enjoy it yourself. So, you know, I would say, and this is so cheesy and it's not very investment minded, but I say, follow your heart as to what sort of appeals to you and then start looking at the numbers. And if the numbers work, go for it. And then my other question was like, okay, so someone who's first starting out, like what's the one thing you would tell them to focus on? So like, I feel like Airbnbs that are super cute and super hipster looking, like, I don't know what else, you know, they have a vibe, like a really good vibe. Like those are the ones that I would pay to rent way more then I would pay to rent like the shitty one down the street, even if it's a really good price and it's still got a pool and all the things I want, like I will pay for the cute. So is that what you tell people to focus on first is like the vibe or the, the decoration of it or like what's the first thing that they should have in their mind when they go to set it up for a guest? Yeah, so I think you, you need to have a couple of things in mind. You definitely will get a little bit of a the, the pictures are everything on Airbnb. So if you could have something with a vibe and you can really market it, it, it can make an impact and a, a difference between like what you take home and what you don't take home. So the vibe is very important, but I think before you even look at the vibe, um, look at the functionality of that space. You know, you don't want a home with three bedrooms and one bathroom because people probably, don't want to share, you know, six people to one bathroom. So, you know, look at how that space is used. If you can sleep a lot of people, make sure that you can actually sit a lot of people at the dining table. There's enough bathrooms for them and things like that. Um, and even before you get to that setting up the space, 
you know, absolutely make sure that you understand the rules and regulations in your area, because the worst thing that can happen to you is you go in and you purchase a property with the idea that you're going to do something and earn a certain amount of money and you run into some kind of a roadblock that completely prevents you from doing that. Um, so first and foremost, look at those rules and regulations, then look at the functionality of the property. Um, and the thing about the short-term rental market is what people desire changes over time. You know, you can always have a beautiful and cute space, but, you know, people love to have right now, you know, the workation is a big thing. So having like a desk space is really important, making sure you're able to have and provide super fast Wi-Fi wherever you are. People love a washer and dryer. You know, I can't tell you how often our washer and dryer gets used, even if people are staying for just a few days at a time. Um, and if you're in an area where parking is difficult, off-street parking, of course, is super important. So some of these things that are important in just a regular home purchase are also important in a vacation rental home purchase. Um, but then you keep in mind that people aren't using it for as long as you use a, a, another home. So maybe certain things aren't you know, necessarily that important, like if the bedroom is small or things like that. So look at the functionality of the space and then make sure that you get the space decorated, cute, create sort of some great copy for your listing. Um, but the pictures are the, the most important thing. So having that professional photography, you know, get a designer in there to help you make that property look really nice. And you would design uh, Airbnb differently than you would design, uh, you know, stage a home for sale. A home for sale is sort of appealing to the masses, whereas an Airbnb, you want those pops of color, you want that funkiness, you want it to sort of tell a story. Yeah, and you want to screw everything to the wall, apparently, is what I found out. Um, because I just staged a house in Breckenridge and found out that somebody took some of the artwork off the wall. So I was like, this is like a $10 million house and people are stealing artwork. Okay, cool. I guess I'm going to get out the drill next time. Good to know. Um, so the differences in rentability between a house that is staged and photoed really well and a house that isn't seems to be pretty dramatic because I will not even look at houses that have like grandma's old couch in them. I'm just flying right past that. I don't want to stay there. Oh, they feel dirty. <laughs> you can smell them through the photos. So I was just hand to God. I was camping with my friends last weekend and they were telling me this story. They do a boys trip every year. And last year they went to some um, park city in Utah. And so they had this really, uh, this guy had taken these really great photos of this and they're dudes like for dudes to say that it was filthy like that's a filthy right it was all boys so they they went on this trip to this house that looked really cute online and they pulled up and it was like it on an acre and there was a nasty old rv sitting out front and my friend made this joke about like i wonder if the guy that lives here is going to stay in the rv and he did and he like welcomed them at the front door and paraded like 16 cats out to the RV and put them all in the RV. And my friend, like two of them ended up in the emergency room because they had allergies. It's so bad. Oh my God. And there ended up being like, he had fake photos. There was two beds. They had to sleep three grown 40 year old. These are big boys, men in one king size bed. And they were like taking turns on who would sleep next to the guy that was super allergic and sneezing the whole time. So like, no, it, nobody wants to stay. Like, that's what I, that's why I go to the cute ones. Cause they feel gross. Like you're going to get HIV from <laughs> not appropriate Airbnb. That's how I feel. Yeah. You'll um, attract the wrong kind of renter. You know, if you, if your space doesn't look well cared for and you are just trying to cram 12 people into a home that has four bedrooms and two bathrooms, you attract the wrong crowd. And that is more, in the end, that's more costly than making it wonderful, making it beautiful, sleeping less people and, you know, just doing it right.
So do you have a service for that? Like, you know, I, I assume that you guys have those resources where you will hire a designer to go in and do that kind of thing, um, you know, and make the house look perfect and photographers. It's just like selling a house normally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we do a, we do a setup for success program where we will help walk you through this entire process. We'll connect you with our designer who specializes in Airbnb rentals. So she's very cost effective, but she'll achieve that sort of look that you're looking for to attract the right type of person and give it personality. Um, so she's great. You know, we can, con we can connect you with contractors if you need to do a little bit here and there to the, to the property itself. We know exactly which linens and towels you need to buy. We walk you through all of that. Um, and then we get your listing set up properly and help you understand how to price that as well. So how do we get that information for you and your company to do that? And is it just for Denver Metro or is it all over the country? Yeah, so we can do that set up for success. We, we do that throughout the country. You know, that's just us sharing our expertise and our connections with you. Um, and you can find that on my website at, at bnbexcellent.com. And it's called the Setup for Success Program. We'll link that. I'm going there right now. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. So, um, and like somebody, so correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody can hire you from the very beginning. Like, hey, I want to buy an Airbnb. I have no idea what I'm doing. You'll go out there and help them. Do you have a real estate license? Like who helps them actually buy the property? Yeah, so actually real estate agents. So I, I have a real estate license because I had to for my property management business, but I don't work that side of the business at all. So I love to refer people out to good real estate agents and real estate agents so that I can work with. I can help analyze those investments for them as part of the process, but I don't actually do the buy sell side of things. Wow, that's so cool. Once so they have a property, that's where I step in. Or I can, so, help, you know, I can help advise on getting the property too, but. That's so cool. So either somebody could call you and you would connect them with an agent that would help them find the right property or an agent can connect with you and hook you up with their clients to make sure that it's a good investment and get all the stuff set up, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it works both ways. I work with agents all the time. And, you know, my hope is that people can, sort of delve into the short-term rental space, be successful with it from the beginning, um, getting all of the information and expertise that we've sort of gained over time, and then sort of build that portfolio and that legacy over time. Could you spitball just off the top of your head a couple, like, like three to five, do not do this if you're about to buy an Airbnb. Yes. Yeah, so do not buy an Airbnb without analyzing the difference between the short and the long-term rents first. Um, do not buy an Airbnb without checking the rules and regulations in your area or, or, and do not buy an Airbnb trying to sort of go under the radar because cities and counties are just too sophisticated and there's too much software out there for them not to know what you're doing. So do not try to fly under the radar or you know, kind of skirt around your HOA as well. That's a big one that we see a lot of people don't take too seriously, but you absolutely have to because they'll shut you down. Um, and do not buy an Airbnb if you're going to take it personally. Um, if someone doesn't like your property or doesn't treat your property the way you want them to, or if, you know, they're, if you're going to get upset if someone cranks up the AC and leaves the door open, it's just your personality is not meant for hospitality if those are the kind of things that upset you. And do not buy an Airbnb if you need to have a certain level of income from that Airbnb each month because the business is just too up and down to depend on that. And in the high season, you can make three times more than you make in the low season. And if something happens in the travel industry or the economy like COVID last year, you can very easily be looking at zero income for a month or two. So you do not buy an Airbnb if you do not have the financial reserves to sort of wait out the up and downs of the market. One kind of like wrap up question for you. Mm -hmm. Is your husband involved in the business as well or does he do something else? 
Yeah, my husband actually does something completely different. Um, I am the real estate nerd in the family and my husband, I like to call him a space nerd because he has, um, he has, a, he has his own company and, and uh, you know, they work, they work with recycling in space, which is completely different from real estate here on the ground. Oh, cool. Does he get sick of like hearing you talk about real estate? <laughs> I know all of our husbands do. <laughs> probably, probably. He doesn't tell. He's always nice about it though. <laughs> so when you were like, hey, babe, I'm going to rent out the house on the back of our property. Was he like, yeah, I'm good with that? Or was he like, what? I mean, has he always gone along with he, all of this? Yeah, he's, you know, he's, um, he definitely sees the value in real estate and he's a risk taker himself. So when I wanted to convert it from a long-term rental to a short-term rental, he was all for it. I love that. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm super excited about what we learned today. And I think our listeners are going to be super excited about what we learned today. So um, say your, your website one more time for us. We'll link it in the show notes for everybody. Yes, it's um, bnbexcellent.com. So it's BNB like Airbnb and then excellent with a T.com. And then we have a lot of listeners from all over the country. So can other people send you clients that are purchasing Airbnb properties to do that success package if they're out of Colorado? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This was really fun. I, all of us really want to do this. That's awesome. (laughs) You guys had such good questions. Yay. I don't know why we're not doing this. We need to be doing it. It's scary. I think it's scary for me. I can only speak for me, but I'm in so much control over real estate and have been for like almost 20 years that it freaks me out to like give that control up to somebody else. And what I mean by that is like someone else has to like, you can name a street in my hood and I will like know what the house is worth and what neighborhood it's in. Mm -hmm. I have no idea if it is a good rental or not a good rental or what it would be worth or if I'm going to make any money or if I'm going to get screwed. So it's like, it feels very out of control to give that over to somebody else now we know the girl territory right for sure but now we know now we know the girl to go to yeah exactly i'm glad to help well thank you so much for your time sabrina we really really appreciate it well thank you so much for having me i've really enjoyed it stay warm today it's kind of chilly out there yes you too (laughs) Bye. bye bye Angela, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all realtors and would love to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Connect with the Homegirls on social media at The Real Homegirls Podcast. <laughs>